Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoon. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I am back ready for an awesome conversation with today's guest, Kelsey Abbott. You probably read the title of this episode, Why We Are Here. And some of you may have already rolled your eyes and decided, yeah, that's not for me because it's going to be some kind of woo-woo thing. Let's move on. Um, I'm just going to tell you right away that you will not be alone if you're feeling that way. I, in fact, wasn't sure what to expect before I connected with Kelsey. And in fact, as she talks about today, Kelsey Abbott felt the same way when she first learned about human design, which is that woo-woo thing you're going to hear about today. Um, And as she says, even in our conversation, that she was totally skeptical at first. But the more she learned, the more she allowed herself to open up to something that would effectively defy her career as a scientist and tap into her most powerful, previously undiscovered gift, helping others find their purpose. We all want to discover a previously undiscovered gift for ourselves. We want to know what our purpose is. And you know, my opinion is that our purpose, yeah, we may have one sort of overriding purpose, but As we go through the flow of life and the decades of life, that purpose evolves. And you know what? What does it hurt to have another tool to help you understand yourself, right? What's so wrong with that? So you're going to have some fun today. Today, I invite you to open up. We know that when you are open, you are are more likely to live a happy life that feels fulfilled. When you're closed, you let that sort of negativity and isolation creep in, and we don't want that. That's not why we're here. That's not why this podcast is here. So a little more about Kelsey, just to lay the foundation. Um, Kelsey Abbott is an intuitive human design reader. She's a certified professional coach, a self-described instigator of joy, and the host of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Uh, She helps spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here so they can up-level with ease. And that is what you, my friends, are. You are spiritual adventurers. You are here to get all the tips and tricks to help yourself continue up-leveling at each stage of the game. Um, Kelsey believes that the universe wants us to be sparkly AF, and that is her terminology, and that joy is our natural state. And many of us, and I know at this time in our lifetimes with this crazy pandemic and all the political crap going on, joy has become kind of an unnatural state for us. So I want all of us to get back to joy as our natural state. 
Um, and the other cool thing about Kelsey and something that we have in common is that when she isn't playing around in her business, she is engaging in the sport of triathlon. Um, and she's actually a really good triathlete. So it's funny because in this episode, you're going to hear me ask her, what are some of the things that people say you can't do? And she says, you know, some people say you can't be an entrepreneur and an elite athlete at the same time. And uh, she calls BS on that. So do I. After studying at the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, where she earned certifications as a certified professional coach, energy leadership, master practitioner, and core E performance coach, Kelsey also earned her neuropositive certificate in using neuroscience to change how the brain processes challenge at the Applied Neuroscience Institute. Oh my gosh. And then she studied human design with Jenna Zoe, who we actually don't talk about today. So I'll have a link in the show notes to who that is. But this is the cool thing about Kelsey. Before becoming a certified professional coach, she worked as a nationally recognized science writer as a marine biologist studying dolphins and killer whales. I think that is so cool and so interesting because she comes to this world of spirituality from a science background, which I think is probably somewhat unusual. Um, You know, really the big thing to know about Kelsey is that she truly is here to help other people find that joy that we talked about at the beginning. And I think you are going to notice that that comes through today. Um, I get a uh, abbreviated free human design reading, super psyched. Hey, start your own podcast and maybe she'll give you a free human design reading. But if you're super interested, and again, I say, why not? Get a design reading from her. Get a human design reading from her and learn more about yourself in a way that I'm sure you have not previously explored. I do have a link in the show notes as well to uh, to go ahead and hooking yourself up with a reading. So today, my friends, let's have an open mind. Let's uh, Let's enjoy the flow of this conversation. And I'm really curious to see where it goes for you. All right, everyone, on that note, let's bring Kelsey Abbott on the show. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Ooh, it's our podcast voices. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when I get to interview fellow podcasters. Your podcast is awesome, by the way, and it's called Find Your Awesome, the Find oh, Your Awesome podcast. You. I know. How fun. Your, your podcast is awesome too. And you have one of my favorite last names in the world. Well, you know, I wondered if we should like start with triathlon or end with triathlon. Because isn't this kind of weird? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just go right in. I mean, you might have recognized my name from the sport that you are so currently passionate about. Mm-hmm. I do recognize it from that. And um, your chili in the Engine 2 cookbook is one of my favorites. Oh my gosh. We had it last night. I came back from visiting Boulder for the weekend because we've moved our family up to Steamboat and um, Tim had made the legendary and famous Daboom Cherry, you know, vegan chili. It's totally awesome. It really is. It's so yeah, our the cherries are a game changer. 
They totally are. I know. It's such a surprise. What's really funny is all good recipes are usually adapted and adapted and adapted to what you want. And this came from a recipe that my mom used to make us when we were meat eaters. And it was a cherry chicken chili. Oh, so we subbed it out for the sweet potatoes and never went back. Yeah. I don't think that would be as good. I mean, I'm sure your mom totally knew what she was doing and she's amazing, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, I'm not a meat eater, but chicken doesn't belong in there. No, it totally doesn't. But are you a rip and engine two fan? I am. Oh my gosh. How did you get to know them? He's been on the pod a couple times. I've never met him. Um, but I am a fan. I'm so I was, I don't know. I'm, I'm on vegan round two officially now. Now I'm oil free game changer for me, complete game changer. And that's what got me into all things rip. Well, yeah, because, okay. So let's just give, let's give rip a little, like, you know, let's give him a little salute today. You know, Rip Esselstyn, founder of engine two awesome guy used to be a pro triathlete Mm -hmm. back in the like early nineties and was one of the fastest swimmers ever. And still is by the way, complete badass, awesome guy. And when I was doing like a year of food experimenting, (laughs) because I don't know if you experience this, but there came a point like, when I was maybe 40, yeah, probably right around 40, where I was like, I'm still eating like a college swimmer and I am not a college swimmer anymore, you know, maybe. So I thought I'm going to try all these things. There's so many different sort of diets and philosophies going on. And, and I was like, saw rips. I don't know. I'm also an entrepreneur. So I was very curious about other triathletes who had gone on to do cool things. And he had gone on to start this, like, not just vegan, but heart healthy lifestyle brand that focus on um, amazing food, you know, food education and products that support it. So anyway, that's how I got to know Rip. Um, what I'm curious about are two things you said. How did you, you said you're on round two of vegan eating. Like how did, what happened in round one and why are you back on after round one, not possibly working how you wanted it to? Well, that's such a great question because round one was fantastic. I loved, so I think it, I, oh, all right, back, let's back it up a bit. Um, I have my master's in marine biology, marine mammal conservation. I am not currently using any of that information. However, you know, I'm an environmentalist at heart. And back when Forks Over Knives first came out, uh, 2013, maybe I'm horrible with years, anything time related. So I don't know, sometime around then I was like, huh, there's something to this. This feels really good. If I can do it and be healthy, I'm in. Did it went really well. Then trying to remember the exact like order of things, but basically I ended up in a situation where I was healing my gut. I think this was after I went off the pill. I went off the pill and like just hormonal mess. And then I was healing my gut because I just, again, it was like it showed everything. All of a sudden, all the possibly all the antibiotics, the asthma inhalers, all the stuff I'd been taking my whole life, healing my gut. And I am told by dietitians, nutritionists, acupuncturists, MDs, you can't do this on a vegan diet. You need to eat meat. 
And what and was I, the reasoning? Because you wouldn't get enough protein. It was enough protein. And then the, the Eastern medicine said, you need to eat blood. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're coming at it from both angles. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So I fell Crazy. for it. I fell for it. I know, you know all those people meant well. And last year I was, it was, it was like building over a year of me being like, I don't want to do this. I would eat vegan like three times a week and then have me, I still was off dairy products, but, and eggs, eggs were fun because eggs came back like fully. And then my body started, my body's reaction to not liking foods is I get exhausted. Like it's an instant nap. So that started happening with eggs. So eggs were out and it was just me. So does this happen to this? How it is with me. It happens to the foods that I actually really crave and enjoy. What I heard (laughs) is the foods that we really crave are sometimes the ones that we're like intolerant or allergic to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where I was with eggs. I was like, what am I going to have for lunch? Oh, I'll just put an egg on top of a pile of vegetables. Right. And then boom, I'm a, I'm asleep and exhausted for the rest you know, of the day. I've, I've been feeling that every time I eat bread and I, I love it so much. I can't not imagine it in my life, but I know in my heart that it will be smart to start to cut that shit out. <laughs> the thing with bread is there's many different ways you can make bread. That's true. All right. Well, what are some of them? I've been gluten-free for 10 years or so. Yeah. So when we actually have a bread machine and used to make our own gluten-free bread. Which is uh, amazing. Yeah. We haven't done that since we moved to Florida. So well, and, and many awesome companies have like sprouted that are making great gluten-free products. So you don't have to do it on your own if you want to be a little lazy and spend a little money. Yeah. We like that. I think it's Northern Bakehouse does a vegan gluten-free bread and oh, cool. a raisin bread as well. Well, yeah, because, you know, you got to throw both sides in there. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in Boulder, if you ever come to Colorado, there is an incredible bakery. They've actually been on my podcast, which is called Kim and Jake's. And it's interesting. They started with cakes and then they started making cookies and breads and peasant loaves and all kinds of stuff and um, getting distribution. So they may be in the Whole Foods near you. I'm Look totally going to check that out. Yeah, they're awesome. I'll send you the link. Thank you. <laughs> and everyone listening. Um, you know, what's interesting about all of this and the way that we find ourselves in our journey. The first thing is that you're a very curious person and you're an athlete. So you're super in tune with your body and Mm -hmm. probably have some level of like self-discipline so that when you decide, I want to see what's working for me and what's not, you can actually do the experiments correctly. (laughs) You know, and I think that's a big thing for people. They fall off the wagon right away because it's hard. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I know we haven't even introduced human design yet, but I'm going to throw this out there. There's a piece in our human design where some people need or thrive with what I call barbed wire boundaries, which means if you want to spend less time on your phone, your best bet is to hand your phone to your partner and have them hide it and lock it away. Then there are people, this is actually you, Nicole. (laughs) Then there are people who do not need barbed wire boundaries who simply make a decision. I don't want to look at my phone and they don't do it. So that works. Yeah. It's, we call this discipline, which has this like, yeah, kind of forcey 
side to it, but it doesn't have to be like that. Well, and it makes us feel bad. Yeah. Like if you it don't you do feel it, like you're not good at it. Yeah. Like I'm not disciplined. That's a negative thing. So then you have this emotional side to it. That is so interesting. I will admit there are some things in my life that, um, I have been able to make a decision and do, but I will say there are times when I need to push the bowl of candy corn to the other side of the table and pretend it's not there kind of thing. There's a little bit of in between. <laughs> yeah. Cause what it's, Showing us is your energy is going to flow more freely with more ease if for you, if you just create a barbed wire boundary around it. Wow. That is for so me. Amazing. If I had that barbed wire boundary, if like I gave my phone to my husband and he locked it away, I would spend more energy being like, my phone's locked away somewhere. That's weird. Like I, I now I want it more. Exactly. I have to find out where it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be like a scavenger hunt, which I love. Oh my gosh. So, you know, I'm kind of, part of me says like, let's wait and talk about human design. But at the same rate, I want to continue having our conversation, but maybe we should, let's give the background on what human design is because then we can have a conversation and continue to refer to it as we go. So uh, you, my dear, are a human design reader. You are a healer and a helper and a guide for people. So tell us what this like strange, (laughs) intriguing sounding (laughs) concept is and maybe even how you stumbled upon it. Yeah. So I stumbled upon it with a guest on my podcast mentioned it to me when she first said, have you heard of human design? I was like, no, I'm totally skeptical, totally like what, what? what is this? Why would I want to know about it? Totally not into it. And then of course I gradually over the course of like six months, I fell all the way down the rabbit hole. So here's what it is. This is totally woo woo and tested by a scientist. So your little baby soul gets called to earth school. It gets so excited and it decides who you're going to be when you're in earth school and what you're going to do when you're here. And then it picks out all the gifts that you would need to be who you're supposed to be and do what you're supposed to do. So it creates this blueprint for you so that you can flow through life, owning and sharing your gifts and experiencing ease, no no struggle bus, just flow with joy and ease. So what I did as I was learning human design is I finally got to the point where I could read my own chart and I was completely blown away by the accuracy of it. And then I started giving away 15 minute free readings for a bunch of other people. I don't know how many I did. I did a lot. And every single person was equally blown away. And that was, that was my experiment. I was like, wow, there, this is completely woo woo. It's insane. It's based on your birthday and time and place. And yet there's something here that gives you permission to be yourself. Wow. Okay. So This is so interesting because I know we've all experienced times in our lives when we felt lost and we don't know what our purpose is. And this is sounding kind of like greater than sort of career purpose, but just sort of, you know, humanity purpose. I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And if you knew this information about yourself, could it act as sort of like a guiding light for you or a, a North Star? Absolutely. And it could give you so much freedom in when, when people, 
you know, with good intentions, bully you, but tell you like, this is the way things are. Instead, it would give you the freedom to even just know in your head, no, that's not for me. Like you and I, Nicole, we're both manifesting generators. We are here to play. And we, for us, so, all right, most humans are taught, we go from A to B to C to D to E. For MGs, no, no, no. We go from A to blue, to corduroy, to stars, to rainbows, Mm -hmm. to purple. And that is our natural flow. And it's so important for us that we follow that natural flow. If we were to trap ourselves into trying to go A to B to C to D, we would be completely dimming our light and not sharing our gifts with the world. So let's back it up. And you mentioned this, but let's just, let's go through the process. So I'm going to get a free reading today, aren't I? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So awesome. I can't wait. Um, I've already got a little taste of it here. So when people decide that they want to learn their human design and, and get a reading from you, you, what, it, what are the steps they have to take? All they have to know is birth date, birth time, check your birth certificate, talk to your mom, check your baby book. If you have to, you can call the like town or city records in the place you were born. And hopefully with all those things, we'll get it. We do want it exact and the place you were born. Got and it. Okay. You send that to me. Okay. So then what comes out? What comes out is this, it looks like an alien. It is a picture of a human made to look like a tent. And there are various shapes in it in different colors. And there are dots and there are lines and there are arrows. And then there's all these funny symbols along the side. It is completely crazy looking. It's not for some reason though, for me, when I look at an astrology chart, I like, I can't even, I cannot, I can't retain. I've had so many people explain it to me. I cannot retain the information. I cannot make any sense out of looking at a chart, but for this one, for me, oh, I see it for like 30 seconds and there's so much juice in there. It all makes sense. So you are sort of a translator. So you found that you have a gift. Okay. So when I first started looking into this, um, I was like, okay, did Kelsey create this? Is this like her proprietary thing? She dreamed it up through your work with marine biology, you know, life, whatever. And, but then I looked deeper and it is an actual sort of practice out there. Correct. Yeah. And there's it's a considered school. an experiment, an experiment. Okay. Um, and- but the guy who I say, there's this guy, Ra Uru, who, who, downloaded it all in other words like he channeled the whole thing okay i told you this is totally crazy making it totally woo and yet (laughs) so accurate so he acted sort of as a vessel for this information to sort of i don't know sink in but then come out in a way that it could be helpful to others exactly i mean it is bizarre sounding right but as we go through today and we learn more about it, I think what's going to happen is that people are going to have these light bulb moments that it could actually be a tool that's helpful for them. And there's a lot of tools out there that are helpful for all of us. 
and it won't be everybody's poison, you know, but, um, it's, it is really interesting. So, so it is actually sort of like a, you can get a certification or become an actual reader. Correct. Yeah. You can go and get trained and start giving ratings. And there are lots of different schools to go through. Okay. So where were you on your life journey? You said this happened a few years ago, right? When you were interviewing a guest, but like, where were you in your journey? Were you still a marine biologist? Had you packed your bags and moved to Florida yet? You know, tell, tell me more about what you were doing prior to this and why this was an important wake up moment. Yeah. So I told you manifesting generators, we, we bounce. We think, I think of that old, very old cartoon, which maybe no one else has heard of, but the gummy bears, the gummy bears took gummy berry juice and they bounced everywhere. That's an MG. So I have my master's in marine biology, worked as a marine biologist, studied killer whales primarily. And then I went on And then I was offered a big promotion. I said, no, thank you. And I quit and moved to Maine and I started science writing, which was taking scientific papers and making them fun and interesting and just like teaching people about science. On the side, my whole life, I was always teaching some lessons, coaching something. So that's still happening. We moved to Maine. I'm science writing, coaching swimming then fell into teaching a core class that that meant that led to teaching spinning that led to more swim coaching and that led to personal training. And then somewhere along the line, well, when funding was getting cut everywhere, I got offered these big gigs when it came to science writing and then three of them in a row, big opportunities. And then I am so sorry, all of our funding just got cut. So that happened. And then I saw a post on Facebook from a friend who, who I believe is here to show me things because she's the one, she went to the same graduate school as I did. She's from my hometown, went to the same school I went to for marine biology. And then she posts on Facebook saying something about she's getting certified as a life coach and has free sessions to give. So for some reason, it didn't even occur to me to ask her for a session, but instead I immediately wrote back and was like, tell me more, where are you going to school? I was enrolled in the school a week later. So I became a certified (laughs) professional coach. Had you ever been life coached by anyone? No. Had I even, did I even really know a life coach was a thing? Well, no, because that's a whole nother like term that when it first hit the, you know, working world, people were like, what the hell? Yes. Yeah. Making fun of it. Like what is a life coach? We need to be coached just to like go through our life. Apparently it is a thing and it's a really important thing for a lot of people. And it takes, there's a whole spectrum, you know, Mm -hmm. of people who sort of specialize in all different areas of life and lifestyle. So that's really interesting to me. So here you are bouncing, (laughs) bouncing and doing the thing, you know, cause like coaching as, as a swim coach and all that, you're, you're coaching. And I was triathlon coaching in there too. And as that kind of coach, you're telling people what to do as a life coach, you're never telling people what to do. You're helping them figure out what they want to do. So you're asking questions. It's a totally different type of coaching. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, so let's see, I got certified in as a professional coach, I'm still living in Maine. And then we decided Well, there was this day that I knew for sure we needed to move from Maine. And that was the day that I was running in winter 
and wearing fleece mittens. And I wiped my nose because I swam that morning and that makes my nose run and wet my nose. And then I wiped my nose again. And then I looked down and there was blood on my mitten because I had just cut my nose on frozen snot. And I was yes. like, we need to move somewhere south. So before you moved to Maine and you were doing marine biology, were you in Florida or where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Massachusetts. Okay. I went to school in Maine, uh-huh. then went to grad school in North Carolina. Uh, before that, I lived in Hawaii, lived in Barbados, lived in Oregon, Seattle, Washington, D.C. Bounced around a, a bit after college. You've done all the extremes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Amazing. And then we, we decided we wanted to leave Maine, but we had no idea where we wanted to go. We knew we wanted coastal. And I don't know when, how the idea came to us and us being just me and my husband and our dog, although he wasn't part of the planning process, was like, let's get a camper. Let's go travel. Neither of us having any, just no experience, no knowledge of the whole camper life, van life thing. And we did it and we lived and traveled the U.S., for 16 months. Wow. In a camper. A we did it time. for three months actually. And then we went back and put our house on the market and then we did it for 16 months wow. having no idea where we were going to live. Oh my and God. Then, so what a way to explore. And like, were you able to make money while you were doing this or was it just like, all right, we're on the road. Let's just take a pause, a breather from life or. Yeah. We both kept working. Um, I was still coaching people from the camper. I actually started the find your awesome podcast from the camper while hotspotting for Wi-Fi. I love that. So Hilarious. any excuses, if you are thinking of starting a podcast and you think I can't do it now, uh, yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, pirate somebody's Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, that's so funny. Be like Kelsey. So that's so cool. Okay. So you were able to go out and explore all these different places. I mean, how important do you think your physical location is toward you finding happiness and fulfillment? Mm. One of the things I noticed in Maine is in the winter, my body language would change just my positioning. Like my shoulders would come up because I was cold. And I was like, I don't want, I know that this is like a closed off body position and I don't want to live here in this like closed off body position. I don't want to be cold. I'm not saying that by any means that we're going to live in Florida forever. And it's amazing. I swam outside this morning in the edges of a tropical storm. That was interesting. It's like, but I get to swim outside right now. And that makes me really happy. Anytime I'm like having a bad workout in that pool, I look up and I'm like, there are palm trees here. And reminder, it's November. This is amazing. So maybe it's for you, like the, the puzzle is that you have to be able to have access to outdoors. And what you found in Maine was like, yeah, I'm outdoors. It's probably beautiful, but it's Mm -hmm. too cold. So it was, you know, some of us are a little more warm blooded and cold blooded than others. You know, I mean, I think that's very true. You know, in triathlon, people would always be like, I'm really good in the heat or I'm really bad in the heat. And my Mm -hmm. goal was always just to be really good in both. Yeah. You know, but I don't think you are born to be great in both. You know, that's I don't think so either. Yeah. And I'm seeing more. I mean, even the pool water here was cold the other day and everyone else is like sprinting and they're going super fast. And I'm just like, 
I can't even go fast. I don't even, I certainly don't have a sprint button, let alone a fast button. Like I'm just, I seem to have one pace when it's cold. So I want to kind of, I'm going to go off on tangents. I can just tell today you mentioned swimming a lot. So did you grow up a, like a hardcore swimmer? Yes. In Massachusetts, Massachusetts. And then I went to high school in Connecticut and then swam division three in college. I got, okay. I found water polo in the middle of that too. Ooh. And that is liberating. I think mm-hmm. absolutely. It makes you an all rounder too. It does. And it came at a key point when all my friends were going on, like, it was like the key of the, the, the fork in the road, Olympic trials, water polo, like branching out, adding more. I went the water polo route. Wow. That's amazing. Um, what do you think swimming, what do you think you got out of swimming or continue to get out of swimming that makes it such an important thing for you? Like, I guess if swimming was taken away from you, would you feel loss? Yes. And I have, I, um, in, in a sense, so I, I had this back unexplained back pain for a few years and I could still bike fine. I could still run fine. But the pain when I swam was so intense. And in the span of a week, my pace slowed by like 20 seconds per hundred. And you know that that's a lot. And it was swimming was no longer that freeing place for me. I would, and then this was partly while we were in the camper. And so sometimes I'd land at a pool and it would be set up long course, which the swimmer in me is like, yay. But with that back pain, it hurts so much more to swim long course than short course. So now I'm seeing this big, beautiful pool and I'm like, oh, okay. It's going to hurt. Um, swimming is, you know, the water supports us. I think swimming makes us crazy too. Like I really truly think everyone who grows up as a swimmer is a little bit of crazy in them or maybe a lot, but there's something about, it's this like supposed individual sport. And yet when you meet somebody who was a swimmer at some point, isn't there just like always that immediate connection? Oh, totally. Yeah. I think, um, it's really interesting because when we grow up swimming on teams and competitively, you know, I remember my dad one time saying, well, I mean, what are you thinking about while you're swimming your, you know, four hours a day, (laughs) you know, double workouts, blah, blah. And he's like, are you getting a lot done in your head? And I'm like, no, I'm counting my strokes and thinking about my form. Like the pool was a place where you worked. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed later in life, after my triathlon years, actually not until I was pregnant and swimming at 39 years old, that it's quiet under the water. Mm-hmm. And I think I always knew that. And that it's very nurturing. And it was the only place you could be weightless, which is also such a gift. And when our bodies hurt, and there's a reason that a lot of old people in those funny little swim caps doing their doggy paddle, you know, swim Mm -hmm. later in life, um, it is nurturing. It feels healing a lot of times. Um, But yeah, the the, underneath the water, it's quiet. You Mm -hmm. can shut it out. Right. And so when that's taken away from you because of not for any reason that you even actually knew you could help, you probably were like, I might never swim again. 
Did you hit that point? You know, I didn't, but I probably did think I might never swim without pain again. Yeah, that's not good. Did you ever find out what was going on with your back and how to correct it? This is a, that's an interesting question because the answer is no, but it got better. And I don't feel that the pain is gone. And, um, you know, my notes and training peaks, it's almost gratitude every day. I'm just so like, even if it was a crappy workout, like I'm still rebuilding from that whole experience, but I'm so grateful that I swim without pain. Were you just blocked? I think it was something spiritual. There was, I was in a car accident in 2004 I was rear-ended. I know my pelvis got twisted. My iliacus took like the entire impact. And so I know it was related to that. And I think it was something spiritual. It was something energetic that needed to be released. I mean that, I believe that. Um, Did human design help you understand it more? Just curious. Not yet. Okay. And I feel like it's part of my path. Well, you know, I may not ever understand that, but a big part of my chart is about healing myself so I can heal others. Ah, yes, we do need to do that first, don't we? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here you are. You've come back from this or finished your road trip and you're like, we're going somewhere warm. I'm sure there were many like awakening moments, but that was one really allowed you to make a big life decision, right? Yes. Great. Yes. Okay, so how long ago did you end up moving down to Florida then? So we bought this house in January, 2018. Oh, cool. Great. Two years. Yeah. Perfect. Going on three sister. Yeah, you're right. I don't know what year it is. It's 2020. It's going to be 2020 forever. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really weird year. Let me just say it feels like a twilight zone. You know, we should probably do a quick sidestep and talk about the election. Mm. Oh my God. We're not going to get political, but like, I want to just say that I realized today that I feel like I've been holding my breath a little bit for a really long time and I'm feeling like I'm breathing more. I think a lot of us are feeling that way. Yeah. 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 It's, um, we don't realize how much something like, a an election in our country might be triggering us to change our physiology. (laughs) Yeah, I really, truly believe that 2020 and everything that's been building up to this year has been an invitation to wake us up. Yo, humans, like it's, it was go home and focus on yourself. And then everyone started baking bread and doing Netflix marathons. And it's like, no humans, (laughs) go heal yourselves, focus on the inside. You know, but that's so easy to say. Like, how do you do that? You don't do that through making bread, baking your own sourdough, making your sourdough starters. That was a big thing. That was you know, a big and, thing. And, uh, you know, watching um, whatever your latest and greatest is. But like, how do you heal yourself? Mm. I believe that humans need humans. So therapy coaching. And I think that a lot of people don't even know how accessible these modalities are. Find a, find a therapist, find a coach. Here's the difference. I'm going to tell you right now, a therapist will help you. And this is a generalization, but in general, a therapist will help you go from a dysfunctional past to a functional present where a coach will help you go from a good present 
to a great future. Oh, I love that. Those are some great. Let's repeat those. Therapist takes you from a dysfunctional past to a functional present. And what does a coach do? Coach takes you from a good present to a great future. Really cool. So are you suggesting that people could benefit from having both? Yeah, you can work with a therapist and a coach at the same time. And you would be in the coach arena. I'm a coach, yes. Not a therapist. (laughs) No, I was a psych major in college. But, you know, positive psychology was actually birthed like as I was graduating college. So I didn't even know about it. And positive psychology is more the coaching side of things. And that's, that felt like where I was supposed to go. So it's funny that it then took me like 15 years to come back to psychology. It, was, it wasn't for me right after college. Absolutely not. And did you hear that uh, very loud ringtone while you were talking? Okay, no. good. That's why I kept um, talking. <laughs> This is the fun with doing Zoom um, interviews, all kinds of weird technology things happen. Um, You know, I was thinking too about your background as a marine biologist, like a lot of people would think that is the coolest job on the planet. And in a sense, you're probably kind of a therapist, like people are probably imagining you talking to these creatures of the sea, right? You know, and like doing your little whistles and whatever it is so that to communicate with them. Um, in college, I actually had a seminar I took from a visiting professor from SeaWorld. And she, it was called communication between humans and other animals. And she would constantly do these dolphin whistles and st- it was so funny. She was so quirky, but it was, it was cool. So, you know, why, why would you... I know this is off on a tangent again, but we're talking about being a healer, healing yourself, moving yourself forward. Um, why would you leave a career that I guess seems so interesting to most? Mm. Because by the time, so right after college, I worked, I studied dolphin cognition and behavior. And then I was playing with the dolphins. Then went to grad school And then I worked in a cubicle and I didn't like that. I was helping people figure out funding, figuring out permitting issues, writing these environmental impact statements. I was, which is, if you've never, if you've ever worked for the government, I call it writing government ease. Like you can write a 200 page document with one page of valuable information in it, but it's not, that one page isn't usually all together. It's like sprinkled throughout. It's exhausting for like part of my human design actually says I'm designed to get to the point. (laughs) And for me working in a cubicle, wearing fancy clothes, wearing shoes was not for me and using words that weren't real words that weren't even funny. Not for me. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, now that you have an understanding of your human design, your blueprint, um, does it help you make sense of like why you were so frustrated at different times in your life? Yeah. Um, it was actually the thing that was introduced to me the, since this was way before I understood human design was the Myers-Briggs test. So I learned I was an ENFP. And then I remember sitting in a staff meeting, which was a small group, like mm, probably less than 20 of us. 
and looking around and being like, oh my God, so some of these people, they actually love this stuff. They love writing these reports. They love oh, all of these regulations. They, this is the stuff they're made for. I'm not made for this. And that's so people ask me like, how'd you get the guts to quit your job? And for me, it was like, how could I stay there? That wasn't, it wasn't for me. I had, it wasn't scary at all for me to leave. I just knew it was for, for the right thing. Yeah. So you were, you were in tune with your inner soul, you know, you've been in tune all along, but we still fight it. And, in t- and what's cool about human design is that it allows you to understand yourself better and sort of give yourself a little more permission, I think, to see your path instead of fighting your path. As MGs, like I said, we bounce and we collect information in every part of our lives. So as a marine biologist, you know, that helped me really dig into all things environment, really deeply connect with nature also help me hone my curiosity. Then what am I doing as a coach? I am asking questions. I'm curious. What brings me to human design? Curiosity. Like there's this Steve Jobs quote, you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them looking back. And when I look back, it makes so much sense. Uh huh. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk more about human design then. So you talk about the soul. So how do you define the soul? Oh, that's a great question. So I believe that we are all souls in human bodies and our souls, you know, we've had past lives. We, maybe we made some agreements with people that we'd come to earth together, you know, your soulmate, your, your partner, you guys probably knew each other. You probably have done lives together. There's this recognition when you see that person there, that is real. Like there is something there. So I don't have a good answer. Like I don't have a concrete definition for you, but our soul is our essence. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Got it. And so the human design is based on reading the soul or the essence of each individual And as you said, it's based on that moment and place that we were sort of dropped in to Mm -hmm. our reality, right? Yeah. Okay. And if you're going to have a question about like, well, what if you were supposed to be born someday, like, and you were born early or did they get the right time? Just know it all, it all works out. It, It really does. My design is completely accurate for me. And I was born like three and a half weeks early, came out with the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. So they shoved me back in and then I was born. And you know what? That's what, that's what my soul chose. Wow. That is amazing. Okay. So when you get these crazy looking charts and I'm looking at mine right now and it is, it's like, I can't decipher it. Right. Um, What are the different categories that people can be. You called you and me both manifesting generators. Yeah. Okay. I like the sound of that. That's cool. I like manifesting. I like generating. Um, But what are the different things that people can be? So there are five different types. Generators, manifestors, manifesting generators. We're a hybrid of those two. Mm -hmm. Projectors and reflectors. 
And, you know, all of them probably have opportunities and challenges. I don't want to say good and bad. (laughs) Um, There's no bad in human design, which is one of the things I love about it. Wow. Okay. So should we talk about mine? Yes, we should. All right, let's do it. Oh my God. Okay. All right. So let's go. You can, you can read off my stats if you want to. Well, you're a five, one manifesting generator. And what that five, one is your profile. It's, it's, it's kind of like your personality when it comes to human design. And you may find that you have more in common with other five ones than you do with other manifesting generators. Sometimes type isn't as important. Okay. Um, so uh, can a five one be, can a projector also be a five one? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's back up to the energy types and we'll talk about being a, a manifesting generator. So like I said, we're here to play. We're here to bounce around. We're here to go from A to to 36 to green to mm-hmm. blue. And we're here to be lit up. We, the universe is going to constantly show us things and it's going to show us things in terms of, you know, maybe it's a song on the radio. Maybe it's a smell. Maybe it's a taste. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's an idea. And our, our job is to respond to it. And we respond to it from our sacral. So that's from our gut. And our gut is either going to say, hell yes. And it's going to be a full body hell yes. You're going to feel like probably feel yourself lean forward a little bit and you're just going to feel that yes flowing throughout you. And to other things, it's going to say no. So probably be a lean back and sometimes might not really respond. And when it doesn't really respond, that's a no, because we are here to be lit up. And when we are lit up, we become sparkly AF. And when we are sparkly AF, we elevate the whole world around us. So MGs are born with two different ideas, the ideas of the generators and the ideas of the manifestors. Generators have this idea as they're little kids, they're, they're born knowing they're here to lift people up. When they're little kids, they get the idea that they're supposed to do that by sacrificing themselves. And this is through like sharing or going and doing, you know, go kiss Aunt Sally when, you know, you don't want to kiss Aunt Sally. It's okay. I sacrifice myself. And then you get a, Oh, good girl. So they get this idea that they're supposed to sacrifice themselves when the way they will really truly lift people up is by allowing themselves to respond to the hell yeses, allowing themselves to be totally lit up. So they are super sparkly. So they elevate the world. They could like lift up one person by sacrificing, or they could elevate the world by being sparkly. Got it. Okay. And then the manifestor side, manifestors are super powerful and their energy, you can feel it when they're infants. Manifestors, in fact, don't need parenting. They need love. They need support. They need food and all of that. But if you've got a manifestor kid, they probably say, I know anytime you try and teach them something. Manifestors are so powerful. And they, whether they actually hear the words or they interpret the words, like you're too much, you're too big. Shh. You're just, it's usually you're too much. 
And so they try to make themselves small. They try to make themselves small so that they can fit in. But what we need manifestors to do is to be big, to totally own their power. And then that's going to inspire the rest of us to own our power. So as MGs, we feel both of these. And we tend to resonate more with one than the other. Do you have one that resonates yeah. more for you? Maybe generator. Okay. What about you? Manifester. Interesting. The, the be, be small. You're too yeah. big. You're too much. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel that as much. And I'm also thinking about my kid too, as we talk through this. So this is really interesting. Yeah. It's so fun to do readings on with parents and kids. Oh, oh, I'm sure. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what, tell me more about, so we've kind of learned a little bit about how manifestors, you know, I don't know, grow into their power or could, or the challenges they face. And then same with generators, MGs are, like you said, a mix. And then what about projectors? So projectors are like the bird sitting on the branch and they're watching the rest of us scramble around on the ground. The rest of us are scrambling around, you know, hiding our nuts and getting ready for winter. And the birds watching up there being like, that's not the most efficient way to do that. And it's like, <laughs> look at that chipmunk. He's looking all over for his nuts. <sighs> they're over there. The projector can see things really clearly because they've got this bird's eye view. So the projector has two options. It can say, yo, chipmunk, your, your nuts are over there. And the chipmunk will be like, whoa, who are you? I didn't ask for your help. Or the projector can wait for the invitation and wait until the chipmunk's like, hey, projector, you've probably got a pretty good view from up there. Do you know where I put my nuts? <laughs> And then the projector can say, yeah, they're right over there. And then the energy flows smoothly. So for projectors, it's key for them to wait for the invitation before they guide people, before they're trying to teach people. And Got that's it. because the rest of us need to create a space for it to land because we okay. don't like unsolicited advice. Yes, that is true. All right, then let's hear about reflectors. So reflectors, we were talking about one before we started recording. Chris Marie is a reflector. Reflectors are, I call them disco balls of awesomeness. They're, and when I described the human design image of the blueprint, I said, there are all these centers that are gonna be all different colors. Reflector, all their centers are white, which means they are all open. When you are with a reflector, they feel and amplify who you are. Interesting. So if you spend time with a reflector and you just come out of that interaction being like, oh my God, that person's amazing. Yes, they're amazing because they were reflecting you back to you. Reflectors are so wise because they need to be in the center of our tribe because they, they can just feel and amplify it all back to us. Just reflect it, reflect it back to us. Of course, for reflectors to really know what they think, they need to be by themselves because they need to get out of everyone else's energy. Yeah. They, their challenge is probably going to be to refuel the tank. Yes. 
Yeah. Interesting. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so we kind of have a good background here. Mm-hmm. So now we're into the personality you called me a five one. What does yeah, that you're mean? A five one. It means that you, where do I want to start with this? You're growing. You're, you're really supposed to own the fact that you're an authority. Mm. You will become an authority as you move along your life. And once you become an authority, own it. Also, you thrive on responsibility, but there's a balance there. Too much responsibility is going to make you pissy. Not enough is going to leave you being feeling like you're not really living your purpose. So find that optimal spot, which is a practice in boundaries often. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And I think, you know, responsibility, we often think of either family or work, mm-hmm. right? And I've just had a huge career change. So my responsibility, my job is like zero, you know, and I'm feeling just like taking on too, res- too much responsibility to how happy my daughter is right now or not happy or seeming mm-hmm. happy, you know? So that's really interesting because I could see that I'm seeking more responsibility, but it's not probably in the right place. Exactly. Seek the responsibility that lights you up because we Mm. need you to be lit up. You are here to Mm. elevate the world. Ooh, ooh, I love it. Okay. As MGs also, we do, we do things that other people think are impossible and we do them with so much joy and playfulness that hopefully we inspire other people to do the same because there's this idea that you got to put your nose to the grindstone as an MG. No, that's not for us. We are here to play and follow the joy. So what do you do as an MG that other people think is impossible? Some people would say it's impossible to be an entrepreneur and a triathlete at the same time. I've been told you got to focus on one. I don't, I actually need both of them. I notice in the off season when workouts get boring that I will like kind of nudge my coach. Can I just do some intervals on the bike today? Can I just like <laughs> throw in some pickups? Like, cause business is kind of slumping right now. Cause I'm just not as excited. Right. Right. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I would also argue that some people would say doing a triathlon or an Ironman or something like that is impossible. So chances are not everybody is going to think a thing is impossible, but it's that concept of you're not normal if you do that. (laughs) Yeah. And we are not normal. And there's something else that you and I both share in our charts, Nicole, that is a reminder that we will fail if we try to be normal. Oh, wow. We are not here to be normal. We are here to be golden. It's like this golden channel. We are here to shine in our very own unique way. And a lot of this has to do with our physical body and in co-creating with other people. Wow. 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 Okay. All right. Keep it rolling. Did I, I just give that. permission to like 10 year old you or 12 year old you? Like even more than ever. Perfect. So one big thing in your chart is you've got the gift of artistic creativity. Okay. And it's a big one for you. How are you using that? 
Well, it made me a little uncomfortable because I feel like I'm not using it at the current moment, mm-hmm. except maybe with the podcast, which is just about having these great, beautiful conversations, which I guess you could call artistic creativity. But I was using it in my previous career yeah. at, with skirt sports and creating and, you know, creating products, but also creating community in ways that women can connect. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel that just hearing that means that what I do next needs to allow me to really fully exploit that. Yes, please. We need that. (laughs) Thank you. And it's that connection is also a big part for you. Yeah, it is. It's funny. I like to try to push my um, need for this onto other people in my life, like my husband. You know, I've been trying to get him to put his artistic creativity into a channel that I can then push out into the world. And it's, it has been a battle. So maybe that's a sign. It's not the right battle to choose. I don't know. It's so funny how we do that though. When we, we know like our soul is nudging us that we need something. It's so much easier to look to somebody else and be like, can you do this for me? Can you be this? Yeah. No, no, no. It's your soul being like, no, we're unused in here. Can you yeah. use us, please? Yeah. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay, cool. So where shall we go next? Let's so, go. Yeah. There's so much to do. Is there any, are there any specific questions that you have? Um, what's interesting to me is I am actually at a place in my career path where I don't have the next step. And I can imagine that most people find, you know, value in human design when they are at a place where they either feel stuck or they can't quite put their finger on what their purpose is. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I have a question, but I, I just think for anyone listening who's in that place, that gray, the space between in whatever it is, relationships, career, health, you know, whatever, this could be a good time for you to explore. So yes. for me, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, other than to have you continue to throw out some of these golden nuggets, I mean, I'll take it all. All right. Let's, let's actually go to emotions. Okay. So in human design, there's a difference between feelings and emotions. Feelings come from our head. There are thoughts that then lead to feelings. Like it's, oh my God, I won that race. I feel happy. That's, that's a feeling. Emotions have no thoughts associated with them and they just come out of the blue. So having emotional authority, which is what you have in human design, means that one, you are not going to feel other people's emotions. You might feel other people's thoughts. And so you might feel their feelings, but you're never going to feel their emotions. Got it. And you have, there are four different emotional wave types and you have what we call, I think of it as the escalator emotional wave. So things are great and then they're even better and then they're amazing and then they're awesome and then they crash. Interesting. And wow. that is normal for you. You are not crazy. That is, it's really just the universe cool. changing the yeah. dial on you. Wow. Okay. Do so you then, have, 
Do you I have also experienced that? Yeah. I don't have the same one. I have what's known as the subtle emotional wave and mine is related to connection. Mm. So mine, I feel like I have a practice of discernment. And so if we really, really like, am I in an emotional wave right now? And being able to see that for you, it's going to be a lot easier to see. What we need to know is when we're in a wave, don't go into your head and make it a feeling because a wave will only last 24 hours. Just ride it. Interesting. And so for me, it's almost like a bonk. And so it's understanding I'm on my way to it, but you got to enjoy where you are in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, the letdown is always hard. Um, wow. Okay, cool. Interesting. So we want to remember, let it, give it 24 hours. So like, don't, don't reach out to people in that 24 hour period. You're not going to, you're not going to get the responses you want. <laughs> give it because it's the universe's way of pushing us into divine timing. What's divine timing? It's the timing where everything just clicks. Mm. So it pushes us into like, so if you want to reach out for a partnership and you feel like you might be in an emotional wave, wait, Got it. 24 hours, do it the next day. You'll get all the yeses, all the green lights. If you do it right now, you're going to get no. Wow. Okay, cool. A whole lot of trust. You know, I feel like I've spent the last year learning how to ride the waves and not trying to control the waves. That's a big, yeah, that's been a big big lesson. Yes, it is for sure. And like you said, it's a practice. You have to keep practicing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And speaking of practice, that actually makes me want to bounce to another part of your chart where you've got an open ego center. And what this means, and this is the most common form of the ego center. It's like 70% of the population has an open ego. And what that means is that motivation comes in waves for you. Totally normal. Society tells us that we're all supposed to be motivated all day, every day. For those of us with a defined ego, which is me, we are pretty much motivated all day, every day. You might feel my defined ego right now, and you might feel super motivated. And then we're going to get off this Zoom and you'll be like, uh, what? <laughs> what was I motivated to do? Or you could be in the, in the peak of a wave right now, but your motivation is going to just come through like a wave. Yeah. Trust it and know that there are gifts in every part of the wave. Okay. Yeah. That's a really important thing. Trust. Yeah. For and sure. it's an, an interesting one as an athlete too. Did you feel that? Oh, as for sure. I mean, we create our waves periodization, you know, it's, mm-hmm. but we also, as women, I mean, we, I wonder how much the hormonal waves, you know, play into this. What do you think about that? I think it's really, really interesting. Um, I have a, so any open center we feel and amplify other people's energy. And I have a friend who thought she had just like horrific PMDD. In other words, the type of like PMS that makes you a crazy person is what she would call it. Mm -hmm. Turns out her daughter has the escalator. I think it's the escalator emotional wave. And she feels and amplifies that. Interesting. She didn't experience this PMDD until after her daughter was born. So maybe what she's been thinking is this massive hormonal thing. Maybe it's not, maybe it's just that she feels her daughter's energy, her daughter's emotional energy. And it just happens to be around the same time every month. 
Wow. Well, and depending on how old her daughter is, two women living together, you very likely may have interesting hormonal energy at the same time of the month. Oh my God. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So I've got an open ego center. So what I noticed at the start of the pandemic is I saw so many athletes, so many challenges. So challenges as in like all these companies putting out the, you know, the ride every day challenge, the do 20 minutes of exercise every day challenge. And that's what people with open egos tend to use to try because they feel like they need to be motivated all day, every day. Got it. Okay. Yes. So I support all of those companies. I'm a fan of them. It's all done with a good heart, but you don't actually need it. Right. You need to just ride that wave. Right. You need it when it's supposed to come. Yes. Right. Because maybe what you're supposed to experience as an athlete in that trough is maybe you're supposed to explore your creativity or maybe you're supposed to go down a rabbit hole on something. It may, it, maybe you really need to pay attention, I'll put all your energy into your family right now or your diet or something like that. It's there. It's happening for you. Yeah. I like it. Okay, cool. Another piece that um, I forget how, Oh, we were talking about as your transition and feeling stuck in all of that. You are not built for strategy. Hmm. So there are a couple different ways people can be. They can be either built for specificity and strategy or not. People who are built for specificity are all about the business plan, all about that super specific vision board, all about declaring, even declaring like, target times or target amounts of money. And when they do that, it will happen. Okay. People who are not, which is both of us, when we do that, it will totally block our flow. It's like a total disaster. So our strategy and specificity used in tandem here? Yeah. Those two go together. Yes. Okay. Okay. And we're not here for it. Yes. I fully concur. Um, it's, we, it is we're here to interesting. Like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So we're here to be like, Hey universe, what's next? Show me. Yeah. All right. So talk, talk. Well, no, I mean, say? it's like shiny object, right? Like let's keep going. I, um, I very early on, it was obvious to my teammates that I am not a, in quotes, office person. I can't sit in long meetings. It, it sucks the life out of me. In fact, yes. shopping in stores sucks the life out of me. There's certain things that suck the life out of me. Um, so I find that really interesting and I think it's totally valid. And that actually is that um, sitting in meetings, sucking the life out of you. Also true for me, we both have, we're both here to move and you're to process your emotions. You need to move your body. Yeah. Yes. To move your body. I've seen both of us are so squirmy in our seats right now. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, honestly, like movement has birthed all the great ideas I've ever had in my life. Yes. You Keep know, doing it. Yes. Thank you. I You're will. <laughs> Some people are here to sit. I call them. I say that they have Velcro butts. They can sit in one position for such a long time. And it's amazing. They get so much done. My assistant does this. So she'll be super excited and inspired. And she's like, I'm going to do this for you. And I'm like, I'm going to go ride my bike. And right. it's like, I get the ideas on my bike. 
that's where everything comes through. And she implements them. Yeah. I love it. Perfect. We are all, so human design reminds us that we are not a planet of 7 billion individuals. We are one human shattered into 7 billion pieces. Each one of us is completely unique. Each one of us is supposed to own and share our gifts. And when we own and share our gifts, we all fit together like puzzle pieces. And then we rise together. So it's, you know, human design really ultimately is about helping people own their gifts, helping people understand what their gifts are, like sort of put a definition or words to them so that they can maybe grasp them better. Um, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This is, I have this vision of going to cocktail parties which is so not what I'm, what I do. So let's just say that like going to a race and everyone just wears their human design chart, like as a badge. And so you can meet someone and be like, Oh, uh, we have the same gift. Or for instance, Nicole, you have the gift of nurturing this. My assistant has this gift. And I, every time she makes something for me, I feel like I'm being hugged. Uh huh. It feels so loving, but so like I'd see your chart and be like, "Oh, you have this. Oh, how can I be in your energy more?" Or maybe somebody, neither of us have this, which is an ability to hone in, let hone in on the details. But maybe we like run into somebody who's got that gift, and you're like, "Oh my goodness, I need you on my team." Yes, that is I not my that. strength. Let's work together. Well, can we do that? Can we make this t-shirt project a thing? (laughs) Yes. Is this your next project? Maybe. I'm getting motivated. Hold on a minute. (laughs) What part of the wave am I on? Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, You know, in the past, you've talked a little bit about forcing versus flowing, Mm. you know, and that we're, we're kind of, we're starting to roll towards the end of our conversation here. And I want to really make sure that I help people understand that this whole concept is about helping them flow, right? Yes. yes. And that we spend a lot of time forcing things in our lives. And what happens when we force things? Nothing good. Nothing, you, usually. You tighten up your muscles. Yeah. And it barely, like, you don't go anywhere. Exactly. You, you get more stuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I find this, um, I like this concept that the more flow you can create in your life through even knowledge about yourself, the more freeing it can be for all of us. Yeah. We're not here to push a boulder up the hill. We're here. You know, there's a difference. I was just talking about this on my podcast earlier this morning. When you run up a hill, you're working, but there's an ease to it. You know, you can't run up a hill without using your butt. And this is ironic. I feel this is really weird that I'm talking about running up a hill now that I live in Florida, but I still remember what it's like. There's bridges. There are bridges. They're funny. They have speed bumps in them, but <laughs> you can run up, run up a hill and you are working. Your muscles are working or you can push a boulder up the hill and yeah, you're working. And how much progress are you making? Like maybe a millimeter that is forcing. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Keep going up that hill, but do it with ease. Do Ease doesn't mean without effort. Ease means it's like you're flowing in the stream. You are flowing. You know you're doing exactly what you 
want to be doing. You wouldn't have it any other way. The universe is just totally supporting you. You're not trying to push through this brick wall. You're allowing. Yeah. Too many brick walls that we, that are self, you know, created. It's really interesting. Um, well, so as we, since we've been on here for quite some time, we've been rolling through what I think is sort of a marathon, awesome flowing through a marathon session here. I would like to see my entire chart because <laughs> we're not going to have time to talk it all through because I really like what I'm hearing. And for people listening who want to play with you and get down and dirty on what their human design is, how do they reach you? KelseyAbbott.com slash human design to book. I do individual readings and partner readings. So I mentioned earlier, it's so fun to do a parent and a child. It's fun to do couples and it's totally fun to do it on your own. I had one couple that they're super happy that they did their session separately. Awesome. Yes. So you can own it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so say people do a reading with you and they're like, I need to get a little more of Kelsey because when you go on your website, I mean, there's testimonials on there and people are finding so much power in what you do and what you're helping them discover about themselves. So how do they work with you in a bigger way? Yeah. So after we do your reading, then we can do alignment coaching, which is basically coaching that we talked about earlier, taking you from a good present to an awesome future, doing it using your human design. So the whole time I'm able to remind you of your North star and remind you who you are and remind you, no, don't do it that way. That's that you're going to be on the struggle bus the whole way. No, it's safe. It's safe to do it your way. Your soul already picked it out for you. You don't have to figure things out. You get to discover stuff along the way, whole lot of stuff, but you don't have to like recreate it and you don't have to force anything. Yes. That is what we need. We need to stop trying to recreate. Um, wow. Okay, cool. So I know there's all kinds of other fun things you do, and I will include links in the show notes as well, including those really cool core workouts. People can come and join you weekly, I think, right? Yeah. Saturday afternoons on zoom started, Um, uh, it started at the start of quarantine and it's still going. I never thought I was going to teach core again and I love it. It's so fun. fun. So fun. So are you doing a triathlon soon? No, I would love to. I did a, I I did a swim meet yesterday. Oh, that's really cool. (laughs) So you're getting your little competitive juices out. What'd you swim? A little bit, but I swam the 1500, um, which was funny because I was a sprinter. So uh, I have no idea what I'm doing swimming that long stuff, except I know how to do it before I bike and run. So that's kind of how I did it. So I'll do it faster next, next time. Well, what's really funny is that, yeah, I was also a short court, you know, I swam hundred breaststroke and sprints and 200 IM. And then you get into triathlon and people just imagine or assume because you're a swimmer, it translates to a mile or two mile. Whatever. And it does to us to a point. Yes. But you're not going to be the very fastest person. The fastest person is going to be the one who was the miler in college, exactly. you know? Um, so I love that. And I applaud that. And I think it's so cool that you got out there and pushed yourself yesterday. How great. And I look forward to triathlons coming back. Yeah. And they're starting to, I saw, I think Ironman Florida happened yesterday. So that's really cool. Um, all right. Well, as we have wound down, 
Um, I know a lot of people are sitting there thinking, oh, I can't wait for Nicole to stop talking so I can get over to KelseyAbbott.com and get this thing rolling. Um, we're going to give them one more nugget. So let's let's give them the, the answer to the question I ask every guest who comes on the show. And that is, if you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Mm. Remember who you are. Well, and in your world, you might need to learn who you are before you can remember who you are. Mm, remember who you are and then be who you are and let it shine and share it with the rest of us, please. Oh, I love it. So fitting. So perfect. Thank you so much for taking so much time with me today. It was a blast and uh, I can't wait to continue this relationship. Me too. Thank you so much, Nicole. I've loved it. MGs unite. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. So there you have it. Kelsey Abbott, human design reader. I love her final nugget. I'm just going to repeat it. It's worth repeating. Remember who you are and then be who you are and let yourself shine and share with the rest of us, please really worth repeating, remembering, and writing down because the point of human design at the end of the day is that people gravitate to this field because they have probably at some point lost who they think they are. They have lost their purpose. They have possibly lost their identity. They haven't lost it, but they don't know what it is right now. You know, I'm in a place of of unknowing myself. And so something like human design actually resonates with me because it's just another tool to help maybe give you a little nudge onto the next path of your life. If you are interested in a reading, there is a link in the show notes. You're going to go to KelseyAbbott.com. You can find it there too. And it costs 250 bucks for a reading. I mean, hey, if you've got the money, It's probably a lot cheaper than some other self-help things that you can do. I say, why not go for it? And if you do, let me know how it went. Let me know what you got out of it. There's all kinds of other ways to work with Kelsey. I think, you know, she also does partner readings, which is really interesting. And I think many of us feel that the source of our difficulties in (laughs) different stages of life has to do with our relationship with our partner. Um, If your partner is open to it, I think it'd be a really cool experiment. Um, Okay, you guys. So that is it for today. I'm going to keep this podcast rocking and rolling. I have a really cool lineup of guests. And uh, in case I haven't mentioned this before, there may be another podcast or two coming along soon. So keep your eyes open. This is a medium that I love working in. And I believe that... If you have something really cool to say or to share with the world, you may as well get it out there because when we bottle that stuff up inside, that's what stagnates us. When we share the things that are often difficult with the world, it helps not only other people, but it helps ourselves. All right, everyone. So that's it for today. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout and I'll see you next week.